Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5 this morning. Romans chapter 5 again. And our text verses again this morning are verses 12 through 21. And we started here, or we're in this section or passage last week as well. Um, before we get into that, um, just a reminder of family camp coming up June 5th through the 9th. And today is our last day for registration, so please get those registration forms in. If you haven't gotten one, they're on the usher's table back there. And we invite you, of course, to family camp. And uh, anybody can come or be a part of that. And uh, Monday through Friday, we'll be out at the camp. Our Wednesday evening service, our midweek service that, uh, that we always have here at the church is going to be at the camp this year. It's the one time of year that we do that where we don't have a midweek service here at the church. It's out at the camp. And so uh, if you can't come to family camp this year, uh, but you want to come out for an evening service or or all the evening services, you're welcome to do that too, even if you can't stay out there. Um, and so encourage you to do that uh, as well. But get those registration forms turned in if you haven't yet. And I'm looking forward to it. Pastor or Brother Bob Harbin is our, our main speaker this year. And Brother Harbin's going to do a good job, I'm certain. And you pray for him uh, as he is preparing and, and making himself ready as well. All right. Okay, Romans chapter 5. Follow along as we read. Let's begin in verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by the one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. In our last study uh, from this passage last Sunday, we talked about why things are the way that they are in this world. And we focused in on verse 12, verses 12 through 14, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is, uh, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. 
And the idea was, and the thought was, it, this explains for us why the world is the way it is. Why is there murder? And why is there mass shootings? And why is there, you know, such evil and wickedness in this world? And we learned that Adam, the father of all humanity, sinned against God, and as a result of his sin, the whole world was plunged into darkness. Adam's sin had dire consequences for all of humanity. And as we move on in this chapter, we're going to begin to see that what Adam gave away, Jesus Christ brings back. And where Adam greatly failed, Jesus Christ prevails. And this, this passage can be somewhat difficult to understand just simply by the wording, and it might be a little fuzzy or confusing to you as we read through just on the surface the wording and so on. But it might be helpful for us uh, to, to understand here that, that there, are, there, are th there are three great contrasts that are being demonstrated here. And that untangles these verses for us and enables us to really understand the main thought that the Apostle Paul is trying to get across here. And the whole point is, is that where Adam failed, Christ prevails, and so much more. What Adam brought to the human race, Jesus Christ has done away with and given so much more in return. And I think that will help us understand this passage as we walk through it, these contrasts. And, and, and it might also be helpful to us to understand that as God looks at humanity, he, he, he looks at humanity with this lens, that, that everybody falls into one of two categories, your human father under Adam or under Jesus Christ. And so I want to take some time this morning to look at these contrasts that are presented in these verses as we consider this thought and this subject, death in Adam or life in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you help us as we walk through this passage this morning? Lord, I need your grace as well, Lord, to be able to preach your word. And, and Father, the, the thoughts are, are deep, and, and the impact of them uh, rings throughout all eternity. And Lord, I pray that today as we look into the word of God, the perfect law of liberty, Lord, that you would show each person what manner of man he is or she is. And Lord, that that you would accomplish your will in hearts and lives today. There are people here today who have never been born again. There are people here today who may be religious people, but they're not saved people. And Lord, they've never repented of their sin and put their trust in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you'd open understanding and eyes today to that truth. And Lord, would you draw people to yourself and to Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. First thing that I want to point out here. Uh, in, in, in these contrasts is that there are two people that are contrasted here. And to help us see this a little bit clearer, it, again, it's helpful for us to know that of all the people that have ever lived in this world, billions and billions and billions of people, that God looks at humanity and sees us in our relationship to only two men, either Adam or Jesus Christ. That's the essence of what our verses are talking about here. Either you're in Adam and you're still under death and condemnation, or you're in Jesus Christ and have eternal life. 
See, and again, to just remind us of what we talked about last week, Adam did something in the Garden of Eden that affected the entire human race. He sinned against God. But Jesus also did something on the cross that also affects the entire human race. Therefore, when you boil it all down, the whole story of the human race can be summed up in the terms of what happened because of Adam and what has happened and will happen because of Jesus Christ. We also need to know that we are in one of those two categories. We're either in one or the other this morning. To be an Adam is to be a partaker of all that he brought to the human race, death and sin. Wherefore, by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Or to be in Jesus Christ, and to be a partaker of all the gifts that he has given to humanity. It's important to understand the difference between these two and how they affect the human race. And so I want us to notice what Paul reveals about them in these verses. Two men are contrasted. First of all, let's look at Adam, the sinner. Verse 19, look at verse 19 with me. Chapter 5 and verse 19. In the first part of verse 19, it says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. This tells us that Adam was disobedient. It means that Adam went against the command of God and committed sin. And somebody says, well, what exactly is sin? Sin is always the the violation of the command of God. That's what sin is. When we sin, we are violating something about that which is of God. Something that he has commanded or we're we're, uh, uh, to do that we're not doing or something he says don't do and we are doing. Sin is a violation of the law of God. God gave Adam a command. You can eat of every tree in this garden except for one. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam went against the command of God, violated the command, and he sinned. Adam was disobedient. Verse 15, look at that verse. Verse 15 says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Now we'll talk about the rest of that verse in a little while, but I want to draw your attention to the fact that this verse two times says, that what Adam did was an offense. It was an offense to God. That is, he crossed the line that God had drawn. God said, don't do this. This is the only thing, and Adam crossed the line and did it. Our sin is also an offense to God, who is holy, who is righteous. When Adam sinned, his sin did not just affect him, it affected you and it affected me. Verse 12 says, death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Adam's sin brought sin and death into this world and affected all of humanity. So we see that Adam the sinner transgressed against the Lord and brought sin to every human being. Our sin is also an offense to God. But secondly, I want you to look at Jesus, the Savior. Go back to verse 19 again. 
The second part of verse 19, the first part says, Adam was disobedient and many were made sinners. But notice this, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Here we see that verse 19 tells us that Jesus acted differently than Adam did. While Adam disobeyed the will of God, Jesus obeyed the will of God, his father, and gave his life as a ransom for sin. That is made clear to us in other portions of Scripture. Keep your place here and look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. The Bible says here in Philippians 2 and verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also had highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. This passage tells us that Jesus became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, and he did that for, the, for all of mankind. And so while Adam brought sin and death into this world and to all of humanity, the death of Jesus opened the door of eternal life to all of humanity. To whosoever will. In Romans chapter 10, go back to the book of Romans. In Romans 10 and verse 11, the Bible says, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The contrast between the first Adam and the last Adam must not be missed here. The death Adam brought to mankind, Jesus did away with in his death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, turn there please. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 21. The Bible says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And so what I'm saying here is that the contrast between Adam and Jesus Christ is so great. And what Adam brought to mankind, Jesus did away with. As in Adam all die. But so in Jesus Christ shall all be made alive. There's hope for your soul because of Jesus Christ. Everything Adam gave away in the garden, Jesus purchased back on the cross. Now go back to our text in Romans 5 and look at verse 15. Again in verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, 
much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Verse 15 tells us that what Jesus did was much more than what Adam ever did. You follow that? You see, Adam sinned one sin, and it brought death to all men. Jesus died one death, and it brought the opportunity for life to all. When Jesus died on the cross, His blood paid for all the sins of all men who have ever or will ever live. Why is that? Well, of course, that's only because of the love and grace of God. That love and grace of God extends to all men, certainly, but it only becomes effective for those who exercise faith in Jesus Christ and believe unto salvation. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But that comes only to those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I think the difference in what these two men accomplished is very clear. The contrast between Adam and Christ. There are two people that are contrasted. The second thought is there are two powers that are contrasted. Go back to verse 17 of our text. And notice, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which have received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. You notice the word reign there? The word reign here means to rule or dominion. And the Bible says there, by one man's offense, death ruled or had dominion. Much more, they which receive with abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life or have rule or dominion. Notice the reign of judgment and death here. Go back to verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead. Many be dead. So we find the, the reign of judgment and death. It tells us that because of Adam's sin, many be dead. And that thought is carried even farther when you get to verse 16. And through verse 18, notice in verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one unto condemnation. Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one. Verse 18. Therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Notice the words that are being used here. It tells us that many be dead and, and there's judgment and condemnation. The reign of death and judgment because of Adam's sin. And here Paul tells us that because Adam sinned, every man is therefore doomed to die. You know that's true. Everybody sitting in this room knows death is real. Everybody in this room knows that someday you're going to die. 
We don't like to think about it too much. We don't like that subject too much. But the older we get, the more we fear it. The older we get, the more it becomes real. That someday I'm going to die. I don't know when that day is, but it's getting closer and I can tell. We all know it's true. Death is coming for you, friend. And because of Adam's sin, every man and woman is doomed to die. And every man and every woman is doomed to condemnation outside of Jesus Christ. In Adam, all die. Who are you under? What category do you fall under today, friend? When death comes knocking on your door, and it will, is there condemnation in death? Judgment for you? Or is there life in Jesus Christ? Not only does Paul tell us that every man is doomed to die, but all men are also condemned. And it means that we stand under the wrath of God. You know, that's how you came into this world? Condemned already? Already standing under the wrath of God? Think of it in terms like this, and I'm going to have you look at a couple passages of Scripture with me in just a minute. But standing under the wrath of God is something like this. Here I am in this life, and above me, hanging over my head, is this giant condemnation, the wrath of God, that is just waiting to come down and to crash on my life. And every time I sin, every time I break a command of God, every time I have a wicked thought, every time I commit something that is against or violating God's law, there's another thing that's piling up on top in the wrath of God, just waiting. And the only thing that's keeping the wrath of God from crashing down is a thin thread of the mercy and love of God toward you. That's you. That's me. In our natural condition. That's how we come into this world. And the wrath of God is just piling up and piling up and piling up. Because the Bible also says that every sin, every sin receives a just recompense of reward. God's keeping track. And every sin must be judged or God is not holy and God is not righteous and God is a liar. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians 2 in verse 1. The Bible is describing all of mankind here. Paul is talking specifically to the church in Ephesus, but it really is relating to all men, mankind. And he says in verse 1, And you hath he quickened, or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past, in your former life, is what he's saying, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation. That doesn't mean two people talking. It means a lifestyle. We all lived this way. 
in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Here's how you lived. You lived according to the course of this world. You lived according to the lust of your flesh. You fulfilled the desire of the flesh and of the mind. And by nature, as you, as you even came into this world, you're a child of wrath, even as everybody else is. In John chapter 3, in verse 36, the Bible says here, John 3 and verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The wrath of God abideth on him. And the bottom line is this, the end result of Adam's trespass in the garden is an eternity facing and experiencing the judgment and condemnation of God. In the lake of fire, for all men, in Adam. That's a horrible, horrible thing, but it's a true thing. People don't like to hear that kind of preaching. Oh, they don't want to hear the, 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 the loud Baptist preacher who preaches hellfire and damnation. Friend, friend, it's a truth from the word of God that you need to understand. For your soul. That's what you face. In Adam. It's a true thing. It's bad enough to be condemned. But look at verse 20. Of our text in Romans 5. Moreover the law entered. That the offense might abound. The law entered that the offense might abound. It tells us that because the law was given, we can see how wicked we actually are. And Paul already said, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even though there wasn't a law, we know that sin was in the world. We know that there were violations of God's command because death was upon everybody. People still died. But then the law came. And when the law came, it simply exposed how wicked we actually are. It added specific transgressions. And now, we can look into the perfect law of liberty. We can look into God's Word, and we can see just how wrong we really are. The law of God, or the Word of God, is like a great mirror that starts to point out your imperfections and it displays how wretched and wicked and in glaring detail how wicked we are. We like to look at things in terms of human understanding and we like to, you know, sort of categorize or gauge or weigh out, you know, things. What is sin and what's bad and what's really bad? That's how we like to look at it. And we do that oftentimes to justify ourselves because, you know what, I actually feel better about myself knowing that I'm not a murderer and I'm not as bad as, you know, so-and-so and I'm not like this. 
And, and you know, yeah, do I do some wrong things? Yeah, I've told a lie or two or here or there or done this, but it's not that bad. That's how we like to categorize things. That's not how God sees it. Because the law comes in, and the law says, God says, thou shalt bear no false witness. God says you shouldn't even tell a lie. Because God is true and right. And all of a sudden I see, you know what? My sin, it's way worse than I thought it was. And God gave the law so that sin would become exceeding sinful. And I would see how wretched I am. And I would see how much I need a Savior. And how under condemnation I really, really am. See, it's not so bad. Condemnation, wrath, death, you know, that's not so bad as long as I'm looking at it in terms of a little white lie. It's not that big of a deal. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is a big deal. It's such a big deal that the Bible says that we fall under condemnation and judgment and wrath. The Word of God points out in glaring detail what manner of persons we really are. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Verse 22, the Bible says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. What James is telling us here is that the word of God is like us stepping up to the mirror in the morning after we've had a, a night of sleep, and we look into the mirror, and what do we see? Man, my hair's a mess. It's all disheveled. It's everywhere. I've got you know pillow lines on my face, and I've got... You know, even some dirt left over from yesterday, all the cleaning we did, and I didn't get it all off. And that's what it shows me. The mirror shows me that. But when I reject the Word of God and I don't obey the Word of God, it's like me looking into the mirror and seeing all that growth and then just going my way and forgetting what manner of man I was. I'm going out into public looking like that. Nobody does that. Look into the mirror and you see what needs to be fixed. And you try your best to fix it, and then you go out into public. It's far worse than that, though, when it comes to the things of God. Because what we're talking about here is this is what you look like. Not only do you look like this, it makes you fall under the condemnation of God. And you need to do something about it. That is the program for all men under sin in their natural state. And it doesn't matter how important or wealthy somebody is. It doesn't matter their station or status in life. It doesn't matter how intelligent they think they are. It doesn't matter what your truth is, and it doesn't matter how you identify. Anybody outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ is already dead. 
and they're headed to an eternity in the lake of fire. Read Revelation chapter 20, specifically verses 11 through 15. Go ahead and read it sometime. That's a terrible condition to be in. And yet there are millions and millions all around us who are lost and who are headed right there. Religious people. They're living under judgment and death. But the question is not about other people. The question is what about you? That's the reign of judgment and death. But secondly, we can see the reign of justification in life. Because that's not the end of the story. By contrast, these same verses tell us that Jesus Christ offers a far different dominion than that. While the sin of Adam brings death and devastation and damnation, the gift of Jesus Christ brings life and it brings liberty and it brings justification. What a difference Jesus makes. Go back to verse 15 in our text. Romans 5 and verse 15. Notice this, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more, much greater than Adam's offense, the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. In Adam, we're judged. In Christ, we're justified. In Adam, we die. In Jesus Christ, we live. In Adam, we face the wrath of God. In Jesus Christ, we enjoy the love of God. In Adam, we're the servants of sin and Satan. In Jesus Christ, we're the sons of God. Can you see the contrast? I think you can. It is being in Jesus Christ that makes all the difference in life. Now look at verse 20. Specifically the second part of verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That word abound that you see there in verse 20, it means to make to be more. It means to increase. And it carries the meaning of addition. Now look at it again. The law entered that the offense might abound. It carries the meaning of addition. It means to make. It means to be more or to increase. In other words, there's a pile of sins being constantly added to. Every time you sin, every time you have a thought, every time you tell a lie, every time you have a bad attitude, every time you speak a harsh word, every time, every time it's being added to and added to and added to. All of that is pressing down and getting heavier and heavier and heavier and we're going to face the wrath of God for that. 
But I want you to look at the contrast. Look at the verse again, because the second part of the verse says, but where sin abounded, where sin was adding to, grace did much more abound. Do you know the word abound there at the last part is a different word? It's translated as the same, but it's a different word. And this word, it carries somewhat of the same meaning, but this word means to superabound above measure, to overflow. And it carries the meaning of multiplication, not addition. And what I'm saying is, it says one sin added to another on top of another. It's compounding and it's adding to. But listen, the second word speaks of multiplication. And God's grace is multiplied over and over and over again. And simply stated, once we were being crushed under the weight of our sin, a mountain of sin. But now, in Jesus Christ, we are in a mountain of grace, overflowing greater than our sin. Praise the Lord! Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Because of Adam's sin... Sin is a huge problem for mankind, and it brings death to every man. However, because of Jesus Christ, there's far more grace to overcome it. It doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what nobody else knows about. There's no sin that's too great for God's amazing grace. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Thank God for the difference between Jesus and Adam. Amen. Can you see the difference? Two people contrasted, two powers contrasted, and lastly, two possibilities contrasted. Go to verse 21. And here we find the penalty of sin. The Bible says that as sin hath reigned unto death, sin hath reigned unto death. If a person chooses to reject the free offer of eternal life and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, that person is going to face the penalty for sin, which is death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Death in the Bible is always separation. And we've talked about this before. When you die physically, your soul and your spirit, which are eternal, they separate from your body, which is physical. Your body is just a house that you live in. It's going to decay and corrupt and it's going to die. It's going to go into the ground. Your soul and spirit live forever. Your soul and spirit separate from your body. Spiritual death is separation. It's separation from God. Your soul and your spirit eternally separated from God, experiencing the judgment of God. To refuse to come to Jesus Christ is, is to choose to remain condemned for all eternity. What are we talking about here? We're talking about two possibilities. You have a, an option God tells you what is true, but God doesn't force you 
to believe it or receive it. That's your choice. The truth doesn't change. Your acceptance or rejection of it is the key. Your truth doesn't matter because there's only one truth and it's God. And I, I always find it interesting when people say, well, my truth is this. And I always wonder at that statement. Because what power do you have and what authority do you have to either make up truth or to enforce what is your truth? We have no authority. We have no power over anything to make anything up. Well, I just don't believe it that way. I just don't believe that, you know, that there's a hell and that you're going to spend eternity there because of sin. I just don't believe it. Okay, based on what? And what authority do you have to actually make that so? You're going to die, and you're going to see what the truth really is. Well, I just think that we just cease to exist, and we just go out, and we just, we don't, we're no more. Based on what? Have you ever been there? And what authority do you have to make that so? Well, it's my truth. You see what I'm saying? It's ridiculous. This is true. And the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. And there's something even inside of your soul and something inside of your spirit, even now, that you know that that is right. You know it inside. You can't deny it. Why? Because it's put there by God. It's innate. It's put inside of you that there is a God and you are going to be accountable to him. So I'm simply saying this to you this morning. There's two possibilities. God tells you what is true, but he doesn't force you. He says, this is true. You can receive it. You can experience the blessing of it. Or you can choose to follow your own thinking. But there's a consequence to that. To refuse to come to Jesus Christ is to choose to remain condemned. But then there's also the possibility of conversion. Verse 21 says that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. There's the possibility of conversion, and this tells us that there's the possibility for salvation for mercy. Praise the Lord that that is not the end of the story. Amen, that we're condemned, that God provided a way. And if a lost sinner will simply trust in Jesus Christ by faith, repenting of his sin, he can be saved, he can be justified by the blood of the Lamb. That person passes from death to life. That person passes from condemnation to justification in Jesus Christ. And the penalty for your sin, which must be paid, is put on Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for your sin. You can have eternal life. You can go to heaven when you leave this world. But it's only for those who repent of their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And what you simply need to do is recognize what the Bible says is true about you. That I'm lost. I'm condemned because of my sin. 
I break and violate God's law. I'm a sinner. I deserve the judgment of God. But Jesus Christ paid for my sin on the cross. He did that for me because he loves me. I understand that. And Lord, I am sorry for my offense toward you. Adam's sin was an offense. My sin is an offense. God, I'm sorry for my offense toward you. I can't pay for my sin debt, but Jesus did. I believe that. I believe his gift is for me and I receive it. Lord, would you forgive me of my sin? Would you wash it away? Would you make me a child? By faith. It's easy to see, but Jesus makes the difference. The question is, which of these two possibilities is true for you? Well, it all depends on whether you're in Adam or whether you're in Jesus Christ. In Adam, that means you're not saved. There's nothing for you but judgment and wrath. In Jesus Christ, it means that you've repented of your sin. It means that you put your faith in him. You've passed from death unto life. There is everything for you, including eternal life and a home in heaven in Jesus Christ. My friend, I'm going to close with this. Have you gotten out from under that mountain of sin that's piling up on you? Do you stand in God's grace? Either you're a slave to sin and death or you've been raised and passed from death unto life in Jesus Christ. Which is it? If you died today, friend, if you die today, because it's coming, where will you go? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you use your word in hearts today. Draw all men to yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to stand to your feet, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed.